baby Jesus rabbit teeth is not the name of this episode. Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. Welcome to Midsummer Maniacs, a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. Aww. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And this week's episode is episode 79, The Noble Art. Season 13, episode... Six. We have only a few Barnaby episodes left. Tom Barnaby. Yes. And Joyce. So remember, send us your best Barnaby bits. We've gotten quite a few emails already. But not enough. Not enough. Not nearly enough. Yes. We need more. <laughs> Including uh, one one person who, uh, who, who commented on your voice in particular. This, what I'm about to say, is a special message just to Beatrice. Beatrice. Yes. Who wrote us this email about her favorite Tom Barnaby bits and said that she didn't want to send a voicemail message a voice message because she's been recording a lot of instructional videos for her courses because she's also a faculty member like I am. Yes. And she has grown to hate her own voice and felt like her voice is not as sultry as mine. But what Beatrice doesn't know is that this is my podcast. Is this how I sound all the time? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to joke that I usually talk like this, but only when we're recording the podcast, I put on my sultry radio voice. No, you sound like that all the time. Everybody hates their own voice. You know, you want to get over how to learn to... You want to learn how to get over that? Learn how to get over hating your own voice? Just record a whole bunch of stuff and listen to it. (laughs) 79 episodes, man. (laughs) I I counted the other day, um, and I have recorded... Over a hundred hours of videos for courses that I'm teaching. And yeah, I have to edit my own videos and listen to my own voice and sometimes listen to me mess up and the dog snoring in the background. And I just laugh and laugh and laugh and go on with it. Yep. Because <laughs> that's as good as it's going to get. Uh, we also want to talk a little bit about Betty Willingale this mm-hmm. week. She died this week. Poor lady. But she was a script editor for basically Everything, including Midsummer Murders. But you name a show from British drama from the 70s through the 90s. And she did work on it, like Jeeves and Wooster and uh, The Woman in White and Pride and Prejudice and I, Claudius and Crime and Punishment everything all of those great classics and she later went on to be a producer and we're always trying to promote women in the industry especially women in positions of power within the industry like she went on to so if you're holding a drink give a toast to betty yep absolutely because we wouldn't have nearly as much good tv as yep. we do 93 oh she lived a good life then. yep Absolutely. She did Fortune's of War, too, which was huge in England. We also had one of my most favorite of all time Reddit threads this week on the Midsummer subreddit. Yes. Which was uh, originally posted, started with a user named Braid Tugging Sniffer. Yes. And the, (laughs) the thread is entitled, I have a problem. I can't quit yelling. 
bin man at my boyfriend when he has his earbuds in. <laughs> bin man! <laughs> and it went on to many of us expressing that we also yell random things from Midsummer and get strange looks from people. And, uh, you know, you're not really a maniac unless you watch at least Midsummer like a maniac, meaning that you frequently pause it to the annoyance of anybody else who happens to be watching with you because you want to see something in the background that isn't important, but is interesting to you. Yep. Or you shout random quotes and phrases from Midsummer. Uh, one of the Redditors su- suggested that when a chore is needed to be done, her and her husband will shout Jones at each other. <laughs> because Jones has to do all of the undesirable all the, tasks. All the grunt work. <laughs> If you have not listened to our episode for Electric Vendetta, you're missing our single, Bin Man. Yes, we made a song, Bin Man. We made a little song called (laughs) Bin Man, which uh, just shot up the charts. It did. It was really popular for a little while. You know, we got calls to be on Top of the Pops and stuff like that. But uh, Okay, there is no Top of the Pops anymore, is there? No. No. No idea. This is my husband. He's 95 years old. Are you going to reference Solid Gold now, too? No, but I will. Dick Clark or something? I will reference that the new episodes of the last two episodes of season 21 are going to be shown in March in England. They finally get to see their own show. Which, you know, the the state of... It's not fair that we see them. The state of international television is so strange that we see them before you. Yeah. We have many episodes for both this episode, which is the uh, episode about the bees. And there's no spoilers in those many episodes. So you can listen to them safely. Yep. You can listen to them before or after. There's Mm -hmm. no spoilers in them. But we'll get to them eventually for a full episode in 10 seasons. Yes. (laughs) We've got a ways to go. So you got some time. The same thing's happening with Brokenwood Murders. The Brokenwood Mysteries is going to be shown on Acorn in the U.S. at the end of this month, which is before New New Zealand will get it. But it's their show. Uh, Well, they're too busy going outside and talking to people and having barbecues to uh, watch television (laughs) shows. Because they're COVID free. I do have my schedule for my vaccination because I'm older than Sarah. So I will soon be vaccinated. You get your first shot in a couple of weeks. Yep. A couple of weeks. I get my first shot. Everybody out there, please, if you're listening, go get a shot. Yes. Get your jabs. Absolutely. Get your jabs. It's important. Yep. If not to protect anybody else, protect me. Are you just postponing the start of talking about the noble art? Is that what you're doing? You're just killing time? No. Because you don't want to talk about this boxing episode? No. Actually, the uh, the thing that surprised me is how little this episode is about... Boxing. Anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This episode... For Midsummer. Now, compared to other TV, it's very good, right? But compared to Midsummer, it made me miss Masterclass from last week. You're insane. It's not that bad. Masterclass is better. At least has like reprehensible people and controversy and like ew factor. This one is just like. 
it's it's like an episode of a soap opera. What I don't like about this, well, okay, one of the things I dislike about this episode is it's really the wasted art because there is so much talent in this episode yes. that is wasted. Yes. I mean, just, oh, just Camille uh, Kaduri, who plays Grace Bishop. Who is fantastic. Just her alone. I love her. She Never was, mind Phil Daniels, who plays Teddy Malloy. And, Those two... In Doctor Who, she was fantastic. Yes, she was. She was absolutely fantastic. She plays... Billy Piper's mom, right? Trashy mom. Yes. Perfectly. Yeah, she was great. She does so good. And she does it again here. Yeah. But not... Not enough. And She's not trashy enough? Is that what you're yeah. saying? <laughs> and Phil Daniels. We don't even get an oi out yeah. of Phil Daniels. <laughs> we need at least one oi out of Phil Daniels. He does wear a big gold chain. He does wear a big gold chain. So you got to give him that. So a little bit of park life there, but <laughs> he doesn't drive a scooter. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, you need to just Google the video for a song called Park Life. By a band called Blur. Yes. Which features Phil Daniels in it. Who plays Teddy Malloy, the yep. trainer in this episode. He is central to the song. He is 12. I don't know. Maybe he's in his early 20s. No, he's in his 40s in that video. No, he's not. He starred in Quadrophenia. Is, is he 80 in this episode then? Because he, he looks great. He's pretty close to it. He's, he starred in Quadrophenia. The Who movie from the 60s. Wow. Okay, anyway, you got to go watch that music video. It's funny. Yes. It's it's great. And you'll go like, yo, there's Teddy. Quadrophenia is from the 70s. I know somebody's going to send me an email. Yes. So... All right, so the Noble Art. Okay, filmed in April 2010, podcast 13th of October 2010, 5.7 million viewers. Richard Holthouse directed it and Barry Purchase uh, wrote it. It takes place in Midsummer Morchin, Orchard. Morchin? It's like Orchard with an M on the front. Yeah, I don't understand that. And did you notice the aptly named pub? No. It's called The Last Round. Get it? Get oh. it? It's boxing and... Wow, clever. And they have a stand at the thing. The boxing event. The boxing event, wherever that is. The excuse to rent a lot of historical costumes event. Yes. (laughs) What happens is a fighter from Midsummer, Mm -hmm. John Kinsella, is fighting for the World Middleweight Championship. In New York City. In New York City. Yes. But there's a viewing party in the middle of the night. In Midsummer. In Midsummer Morchard. Yes. At Gerald Farkerson's house. And what I don't like about this scene at the very beginning is Camilla comes off as the most stupid human being on the planet. And she's not. So Camilla is Gerald Farkerson's daughter-in-law, married to his son, who is the most negative, grumpy, irritated person I've ever seen, Sebastian. Seb. I keep calling him Seb. How did they even get together? Yeah, I I don't know. And Gerald Farkerson is played by the actor... Kevin McNally. Kevin McNally, who was the traveler from the Traveler episode. Yes. He's gone up in the world. The first Traveler episode. He's grown out his beard. He's an old school Traveler. And now he's a JP. Yes. Now he's, he's a like JP. He's like Lord Farkerson. So JPs here in the U.S. really just are bureaucrats, right? They they stamp your passport and confirm your identity and stuff They're like that. They're like one step up from a notary. 
Yeah, they're Basically. very. They very, can marry you. They can marry you, but that's it, it's kind of a bureaucracy position. It's very different in England. Yes. So in England, he's responsible for sentencing of people. Mm-hmm. Like he puts people in the slammer. He's like a judge. Like a judge. Yeah. Yeah. And here, he would be somebody who has a special stamp and can yeah. can marry people who don't want to go who to the courthouse. Emboss papers. Yes. <laughs> And of course, the Barnabys are at the party in the middle of the night, even though neither of them is a very big boxing fan. They're there. The Barnabys there. Of course, they're there. And also eating scenery at this party uh, are Giles Braithwaite. Yes. Played by Ken Bones. Yes. Which is an awesome name. And Lady Stark. And yeah, and Caitlin Stark. <laughs> Michelle Fairley is the actress's name. She plays Iris Holman, who is Giles's assistant. We forget her, but you take Teddy, Frank's wife, Gerald, and Lady Stark. Those four actors are amazing. Mm-hmm. And they are wasted in this show. Mm-hmm. In this episode, they are certainly wasted. And we right off the bat, we know that Iris is weird and yeah. not very friendly. No. Though Grace holds her hand. Who cares? She's really um, the realtor. <laughs> uh, what is her name? La Bouvier. Yes. La Beauvoisin. La Beauvoisin. Yeah. She's really the same character. No, La Beauvoisin uh, is, is fun loving compared to Iris. <laughs> Iris has some some fun sucking. She's in this got episode. pucker lips the yeah. whole episode. Like, that's not good for your face to pucker like that. It gives you little wrinkles around your mouth. So did you hear that Don King was at the fight? No. Yeah, they say Don King's at the fight. <laughs> and my first thought was, I wonder if Don King charged them to say his name. I'm surprised they didn't say Donald Trump was there. I thought maybe they would have. But aren't they fighting in a garden? I thought I would see uh, trees. It's Madison Square Garden. Yes. Which is not a garden at all. No, it's a 20-story building. I don't know why it's called a garden. <laughs> I couldn't find an answer to that question. Because I kind of understand why Camilla might think that it's a garden. It's called a garden. Yep. It's not. Ugh. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Kinsella wins the fight, blah, blah, blah. So, I, he, he, I was like, now, British people probably aren't high up in boxing anymore. I understand in the years of the Empire, they probably were... The leaders of the world in boxing. And and I actually came across an article that said that it was a horrible thing that of the 13 world championship titles now that British people only had five of them. Five only of, five only of 13. Only five of 13. They had in the past at many times held all 13 cha- world championships. Boxing is still it's really big. very big. In fact, right now... The world heavyweight champion is Joseph Obey Joyce, who was born in 1985. I got socks older than that. Man. <laughs> uh, he's a British professional boxer who's held the British Commonwealth, European, WCBC, Silver, and WBO international heavyweight titles since November 2020. So he must have boxed during the pandemic. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Oof. Well, the fight that they watch is not much of a fight, I have to say. No. If you actually watch the fighting, no. it's far more hugging. Well, and it's probably filmed in the same building as the gym. I was 
was with actually the impressed up. with the recreation of this big They do a US fairly fight. good job. They do a fairly good job. Yeah. And they aim the camera at just the right angle so that they can make it look as if it's really crowded. Yep. And you know that right out of camera line, there's nobody. There's not a soul there. Do you have anything else to say about this party? Okay. The the two things I have to say about this party are that the the airport in Newark. That's after the party. That's after the party. Okay. That's what I want to get to, but I didn't want to step on okay. you if you no, had anything more no, to no, say no. about the party. No. That's the party. That's what it is. One of the themes that you will hear Mark harp on, listener, during this episode is timelines and no, geography. Geography. <sighs> I'm going to preempt that. Because I have one favorite moment of geography, and I know you're going to harp on every other one after this. Okay. My, I think my favorite scene in this entire episode is this uh, this little conceit that they have to do to keep Frank, who's the manager yep. of the boxer, Teddy, who's yep. the trainer, and John Kinsella, who is the boxer. They need to keep them away from Midsummer for half a day. Right. Yes. So so stuff can go down. Yes. And the way they do that is by saying that their flight from Newark is unavoidably canceled, delayed, and they're stuck there for 12 extra hours. And how do we know? We know this because of this nice little scene that's my favorite <laughs> where they are in some kind of VIP lounge at the yep. Newark airport. And you know that it's Newark because of two things. Yes. Number one, there's a Statue of Liberty picture on the wall of the VIP lounge. That we must be in America. Obviously. Nobody else would have that picture. And number two, there's an announcement over the PA. And the uh, I think we need to play the announcement over the PA. Oh, I was going to do my version oh, of the oh, announcement. Okay, well then you, you <laughs> do your uh, do your artistic representation <laughs> of the announcement. Attention, all flights from Newark have been delayed. We apologize for any inconvenience. I am clearly from New York. <laughs> like it is. Such, it's like a Saturday Night Live New York accent yes. is so over the top. The other amazing thing that happens in this VIP lounge yes. is John Kinsella, the young, handsome boxer, yes. gets to poke at Frank, his manager, for being a fogey who has an old phone. Yes. <laughs> I guess you'll have to get a better phone because there's no signal here if you don't have a new fangled phone like mine. I think Frank has a flip phone. Yeah, he does. So he does have an old phone. All flights from Newark have been delayed or canceled. <laughs> I'm an American. So while they're waiting, they have a party. Mm. Now, this party, where is this party at? At Gerald's big manor house. Okay. In the beautiful gardens. So Gerald has a big manor house mm -hmm. and he has beautiful gardens. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he has a big house, too. We'll return to this. Yeah. Okay. And they're going to have the party without John, even though they're celebrating John's win, because John is still in Newark. Yes, he's still <laughs> stuck in Newark. <laughs> and th there's two things that, that, like, I... This is the most socially uncomfortable party I've ever been to. Why would you say that? Number one, because Iris is just there, and she's mean and nasty to everybody. <laughs> just her existence, it makes things socially uncomfortable. She says, she said, uh, to Grace, Grace, Grace says, goes, I'm so sorry I squeezed your hand so hard during the fight last night. And then she says something about her lips sliding along her teeth. Oh, yeah. And, and Iris says, it was no problem. And Grace says, like, I think you almost smiled when you said that. Or was just that just your lips sliding off your teeth? Yeah. Like, wow, 
I mean, Grace can give it back, but Iris started it. And then Giles and Joyce are in the buffet line at the same time. And Giles puts food on his plate and then just sets his plate down and walks away. Yes. I did notice that. Like, he's kind of nasty, too. And then they call Iris a snooty cow. And they say she's fur coat, no knickers. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Wow. (laughs) I'm not exactly sure what that means, but that's rough. You've got mutton dressed as sheep's clothing. Yep. And fur coat with no knickers. Yeah. That's, you're putting on airs, but underneath it all, um, you're not much of a lady. No. You're pretending to be, but you're not. Seb runs around being angry at everybody. There are two unaccountably angry, nasty men in this episode. There's Sebastian, and then there's Ken Tui. And I'm going to say this, (laughs) and I don't mean this as a slight, okay? Okay. I think they should get together. (laughs) Sebastian and Ken could be angry together? Sebastian is gay. He admits he says he's gay. Mm-hmm. That's great that he's gay. But Ken's not. Ken needs to understand that maybe his anger might be that he's in denial. He's about in himself. love with Seb. They have that moment in the gym where I'm like, oh, they did it. <laughs> Ooh, they're going to kiss. <laughs> and then it cuts away. Yeah. I mean, but OK, but Ken is yet just another nasty person when when Barnaby and Jones go to the blacksmith shop because they want to see, oh, Libby, the sculptor, they have to go past Ken Tui and they're like, hey, where's Libby? And he's like, <clears throat> no, he doesn't even say that much. I yeah. don't think he even makes a sound. I think he just looks at him. He's Cro-Mag grumpy man. Hey, what did they do to him? I don't know. He never even met him before and he's mean to them. You know what this episode needs? <laughs> Extended betting shop scenes. <laughs> That was just an excuse to get Tony Barton, who's the actor who plays the um, the guy behind the betting counter, the bookmaker. Yeah. Uh, his character's name is Ronnie Milsom. It's just an excuse to get Tony Barton into the episode and let him and Jones have a little banter. Yes. That's all that is. See how much Jones wins? What, 100 pounds? 140 pounds. Woo! I counted it twice. Nice. And I'm completely enamored by the big poster in the window. Mm-hmm. Because it has Kinsella yeah. in a fighting pose. And he has on Coletto Riez gloves. Okay. So I was like, are those like real gloves? Because that's like product placement. Yeah. Real product fake boxer? Every boxer uses these gloves. Huh. Okay. And they have for a long time. It is, it's really a Mexican business success story. A guy by the name of Coleto Riez Castro started as a boxer. Mm-hmm. He got beat up. He realized he didn't like boxing, but he liked the he liked the area around boxing. And he was working at that time at a baseball mitt factory. Oh, that makes sense. And he started making these handmade boxing gloves. When is this? This is in the 20s. Okay. And by 1946, when the first world heavyweight championship of the world was held in Mexico, both boxers had his gloves on. Nice. And his, it's a family-owned business still. Those gloves that he has on in the picture are probably 140 to 170 bucks. Uh, they come in all sorts of different colors, but they're yellow. I like the they they have the yellow ones on the website. I I just think it's a great success story that him and his family, you know, they were uh, 
people who lived in poverty who now have a boxing equipment empire that and probably provide jobs for hundreds of people. Yep, which includes equipment for both men and women too. And they have an amazing statement of inclusion, diversity, and accessibility on their website. That's awesome. They've absolute fantastic company. So that leads me to something that I looked into, which was where does boxing get its name? Mm-hmm. And the I, Boxer Rebellion. No, <laughs> don't even bring that up, man. And okay. it's not about Boxing Day either. Okay. Okay. It was a tough enough Google job to get this. I wound up at the OED because that's where I always go when I can't find it. I go to the OED because the OED is gold. Yes. 1693. Wow. It was already called boxing. The history of boxing is very long. It goes way back. Yeah. Right. But what's interesting is the first written evidence they have of this sport being called boxing is from 1693. It is, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of the document, but the quote is in boxing, they guard their hand with three or four rounds of cord or rope instead of the copper rings which those of Laos do in such combats. Oh. So in Laos, they were wrapping their hands in copper rings. Oh. Before they fought. Kind of like, I don't know, brass knuckles. Yeah. Knuckle which are also busters. in this knuckle we'll, dusters. We'll we'll get to when we get to the actual uh, bare knuckle fight. I have some other stuff about bare knuckle fights. And but stuff. using rope yeah. to pat to protect your hands, that's heavy duty. Yeah. And definitely. do you know where boxing was first called the noble art? No. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Yes. Ooh. 1749. Nice. Tom was much his superior at the noble art of boxing. Wow. Uh, Tom Jones was a boxer. Yes. Speaking of knuckle dusters, why don't you come into my study and notice my missing knuckle dusters? Yeah. By me putting a drink on the cabinet. So you'll notice. They were invented in India in the 12th century, by the way. I'll tell you what you don't want to do. You want to ruin your YouTube likes for a few YouTube algorithm for a few days? <laughs> Watch a couple of knuckle buster videos and then all of a sudden all these Cro-Mag men are all over you. You keep calling them knuckle busters. They're knuckle dusters. Dusters. That, that, like, it took me like 12 hours to get it all out of my queue. It was like, Did you have to watch like My Little Pony really videos or something? About them. What's the antithesis of knuckle duster videos? Well, a lot of them are are they illegal mm-hmm. where you live? How do you wear them correctly? So that you don't break your fingers. So you don't break your fingers. And what are they made of? Those are the three topics which tend to be the topics. They're not brass. No. They call them brass knuckles, but they haven't been brass for forever. Yeah. Right? And the, the worst ones now have spikes on them. Yeah. Like, the where I've seen them, the, the sort of worst versions of them are when they're built into a... a like a dagger. The like handle a dag- of a dagger. The handle of a dagger. Yeah. Like, that is a... You're, and there, there were soldiers who carried those... I can't remember... In which war, but they carried them. Um, And yeah, they're vicious. They're really vicious. You know what else is vicious? What? The smell of coffee when you're pregnant. I would not know. Joyce knows, even though it's been 30 years since she was pregnant. She remembers. It's an old wives' tale, and guess what? Joyce is an old wife. Joyce is an old wife. Coffee makes you nauseous. Nauseous. The smell of it. So she figures out that Camilla is pregnant. Yes. Like some kind of psychic midwife. She's... oh. You smell coffee. 
I don't want to go to Starbucks with Joyce. <laughs> you're pregnant and you're pregnant and you're pregnant. Like, Joyce, keep so, it to yourself, woman. <laughs> so the boys in America are coming home at 2 a.m. Mm. and they want to talk to the lawyer. Frank wants to see Giles. And then the next day, we're on to the Barnaby's house. Yes. Okay. And the Barnaby's have to leave right away. They're, They're going to be, be late. late. Joyce is going to be late. For what? For her meeting with Camilla and Grace about the fundraiser that is a boxing event. Okay, so this fundraiser that's a boxing event, it recreates the first bare knuckle world championship in England. Right. Right. Sayers versus Heenan, 1860. Okay. And where is this taking place? Um, in England. No, no. Where Where is this event taking place? Oh, it's going to happen at Gerald's house. Gerald's house. Okay. Not in the fancy garden, Not but in, in, the, fa- in the grassy like area. Like the front yard. Yeah, the front oh, yard. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because that's where it really happened, he says. Oh, oh that, the, where did it actually happen? Did you look into that? Hampshire. Hampshire. Mm. I don't know where that is. I don't know where Gerald's house is supposed to be. I don't know where Morchard is. Yeah, I don't even know true. what a Morchard is. But uh, I do like the poster. I do like the poster is so good. But you know why it's so good? Why? Because it's just stolen. Yeah, it is. Because it is just a facsimile of the promotional posters and the illustrations that were put in the newspapers around the time of the fight. Yes. Gerald calls Joyce the Mem Sahib. Yeah. yeah. I hate that term. I hate when men use that term. It's just. What does it mean? It's. A term of endearment to the white woman of the house from the staff. Oh, it's like, like in India? Like in India. Oh, yeah, that's no good. It's like calling your wife boss. Yeah, she who yeah. must be obeyed. Yes. <laughs> well, Grace needs to see Giles on a pressing manner. Yes. So he has to go and see her. Yes. And then... He's got to be at home for 2 a.m. for Frank to show up in the middle of the night. Before that, give me a rundown real quick in maybe five bullet points. What does a policeman do? They prevent crimes. Okay. They catch criminals. Okay. They collect evidence to catch criminals. Yes. Yes. Um, Prevent crimes. (laughs) Investigate crimes. Go, go look at art. Is that on the on the list? Um, only when Tom is feeling fancy. Oh. Because he's been wooed by Gerald into this community, culture, society thing. This is, especially this day, Gerald teleports everywhere. Oh, yes. He's everywhere. Because he's the killer. But he has a teleporting ability. But even when he's not killing, he seems to be everywhere. Yeah, he teleports It's like he preemptively everywhere. is wherever Tom is. Hello, I'm not doing anything. Hi, Tom, you're my best friend. Aren't you, like, and creating this giant event at your house? No, the Mim Sahibs are doing that. Anyway, <laughs> blip, he's somewhere else. So he says he's got a boxing blue. From Oxford. Yes, which is, there's different colors of basically quality of sport in like blue ribbon red ribbon blue half blue first team colors and second team colors so he's varsity yeah basically i really wanted a scene so when gerald and jones are talking and we learn that jones boxed a little bit when he was younger in wales though he wasn't in wales when 
Jones came from to Wales Britain. to Britain. Is a mystery. It's all over the place. Yes. But I, I really wanted Giles to kind of like tease Jones about like, oh, I'm sure you still got it because he says you never lose your punch. I wanted him to be like, you d- just try to punch me. I bet you can do it. And I wanted Jones to just lay him out. Yeah. Oops, I'm sorry. Whammo. <laughs> that would have been great. And then maybe nobody would have died. Maybe. <laughs> No one needed to, as we'll get to. Oh, gosh. Don't want to get me started. Okay. I understand. Meanwhile, Ken Tui is just being a psycho in the background of every scene. I understand that the British tabloid press is, well, we've seen it this week. Yes. They're hungry for a new story. Yes. But the world champion was delayed, right? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't arrive till 2 Mm a.m. How does the paparazzi know he's there? (laughs) Um, probably because his manager promoter let them know. I, I would guess that but I was, was like, in. really? Are there going to be paparazzi here? Whose house does John sneak into in the middle of the night? Who is that blonde girl? Is that Camilla? That's is that Camilla. Libby? It's is it Camilla. somebody else? It's Camilla. So that's but they Camilla don't make and it, Sebastian's house. They don't make it clear. And where is Sebastian? Coming in the front door, apparently. <sighs> Are you sure? Yeah, it's. That is who he's meant to be with. Okay. I think. <laughs> it's not clear. See, I think. Oh, no, no, no. no. It's, it's Libby. It's, it's Libby. It's the sculptor. Not, it's not Camilla. It's Libby. So it's Ken Tui coming in the it's front Ken door. <laughs> Which is one word, Ken Tui. It is. It's like chop suey, or Ken Tui. Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky chop suey, Ken Tui. <laughs> He's just angry. <laughs> he's just angry Kentui. <laughs> if he's coming in the door, I would see why John would jump out the window. If it's Sebastian coming in the door, no. I don't think John jumps out no. the window. I think he hides and slips out after him because what's Sebastian going to do? Get angry and fluff his curls up? I mean, you know, it's fine. I guess. And they find Giles dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I find Giles's corpse very funny. <laughs> I shouldn't, but I do. Because he's just sitting there. So he has a bright red mark on his face. Mm-hmm. Like a did, contusion. Did you notice it's in the exact same place on both him and Frank's face? Yeah, because Gerald punches him with his brass knuckles in the face. And it's awfully red for blood. That knocked him out. If you if you get hit in the cheek so hard it knocks you out, like that side of your face should be like jello. So I have a question. Uh huh. How does Gerald suffocate them? <laughs> I have a theory on that. Okay, what's your theory? Because his mo is he knocks people out and then suffocates them, right? Except yes. for Iris because she wasn't much of a challenge, so he didn't have to knock her out first. He just well, he doesn't punch women, right? The way he suffocates because this people. is not shown in the reenactment. No, we don't see him do it. None of the killings are shown in the reenactment. No, no. So here's <laughs> here's what I think Giles does. Okay. He comes in with his brass knuckles. Okay. Pops someone. Pow. And then the stars and birds come out. And they're all dizzy and passing out. Yep. And then whips out his secret tiny suffocation pillow and puts it over their faces. (laughs) (laughs) While holding them upright so they can die with dignity. Oh, okay. While sitting up in a chair. (laughs) I guess. 
It's got to be a pillow. How do you suffocate people without a pillow? They're not strangled. No, they're, they're suffocated. Not, they're suffocated. They're not strangled. So they must have like petechiae in their eyes. They must. He's got to have a pillow. <laughs> How else do you do it? He's, he's not putting plastic over their heads or okay, something like that. I, I got know. my murder kit. I got my knuckle busters, duck. Dust buster knucklers. Yes. And I got my pillow. It's, it's, in, oh, luckily, it has, it has some nice uh, stitch work on it. It's got embroidery on yes, it. Yes, it does. <laughs> and little tassels along the side. See, I was thinking more like, um, do you remember those toys that you're were- the best granddad dad ever? <laughs> No, I was thinking of those. Um, they're called, I think they were called snuffalos. They were stuffed animals, but you could put your pajamas in them and yeah. they were kind of like a pillow. I'm thinking he's carrying one of those, maybe, like a little pink fluffy thing. Maybe he does it in pajamas. <laughs> no, because he doesn't have time to change in and out of pajamas. He only has time to teleport. Suddenly, Gerald's here. Yeah. <laughs> He's just, he's just there. Bush Telegraph. That is racist. I think he's got a police scanner. Maybe. Or he's tagged Tom and he's tracking him. (laughs) Cause wherever Tom is, Gerald just happens to be there. Oh, I'm going to give Camilla a ride. I'm going to do, he's just happens to be there. Every time Teddy shows up in the notes, I say, oi. Gerald has been there with his tiny suffocation pillow and brass knuckles and ransacked Giles' office because he's looking for the contract that he signed with Frank that gives away the entire manor home and the big garden and the place where the boxing thing is going to happen on a bet. Yes. against John Kinsella. That's, yes. that's his whole MO right there is he's, he's looking for that piece of paper. Yes. Um, and Sebastian knows all about it. This is why Sebastian is half of why he's so darn grumpy is that he knows Gerald has lost their home. Yes. And Gerald's not new money. This no. is their ancestral home. Now, Sebastian has a home in town. He has a nice house. He does. Mm-hmm. It's front door is a little bit close to the street, as far as I'm concerned. It's a little bit. But that's kind of common in a village. That's okay. But it's nice. And he's not Camilla even... Camilla doesn't understand gardens anyway. <laughs> he's not even Gerald's blood relative. I mean, I guess if he's adopted, then then he has the right to inherit. And he wants Giles to give him power of attorney over Gerald. Okay. Gerald is a judge. Yeah. You're not going to get any court to say he's not competent to take care of his own affairs. Well, You're not going to Britney Spears a judge. And he doesn't, he's not incompetent. No. He's, he's horrible. He's a gambler. He's and an addict. And a murderer. And sleeps with your wife. Yes. But the only part Sebastian seems to care about is that he's going to lose the house. Yeah. Which is probably just a money pit anyway. So let's take account here. Okay. So Frank and his wife are getting to Grace. Frank and Grace. I could, oh, I could not believe that Grace tells Tom she wants a divorce. And then he tells And then he Frank. just tells Frank. That, that is verboten. Ooh, did you know your wife wants to divorce you? Uh, that, like, he would get sent up for that crap. Oh my God, right that's away. so cruel. If she wants a divorce because he's abusive and Tom just tells him. Yeah. That's bad. Okay. Now, Frank plays it off because that's what Frank does. But anyway, sorry. And then Seb and Camilla want a divorce. Yes. Camilla wants a divorce. Did you notice what Barnaby does there? No. He tells Seb 
that Camilla wants a divorce. Oh, yeah, yeah. He outs Camilla, too. Okay. Now, Libby and Kentui are married, so it's okay. Libby and Kentui are not married. No. I think the statue wants to be divorced from reality because it doesn't look like the person it's supposed to look like. Oh, we're not even there yet. And poor Teddy is like, I love you, Gracie. I love your little skirts and your really obnoxious tights. Yes. <laughs> and they talk about John Kinsella. Like he's 12. Like like somebody's going to get custody of him. Yes. Like I understand he's under contract, but he isn't owned by these people. No. Oh, what did you make of the Teddy and Grace kissy kiss? <laughs> it was a waste of good actors. <laughs> Should they have kissed in a more dramatic way or something? I don't. Uh, They're it, not scheming to kill anybody. They genuinely love each other. And Frank is awful. So, you know, I can't can't blame them. But it was it was kind of like watching your grandparents kiss, but little, not quite that was, bad. It was a little bit like but that. But it was close. Especially now that, that I know that... Um, Phil Daniels, who plays Teddy Malloy, is like 98 million years old. It's really like watching your grandparents kiss. Oh, so we get the the ceremony for the unveiling of the statue. Yes. And for some crazy reason, Joyce is Queen Victoria. (laughs) It literally is. What crazy thing could Joyce do now? But she doesn't look like Queen Victoria. She looks nothing like Queen Victoria. The only way I knew that she was supposed to be her before they said it was that she has some kind of tiara on and a sash. Now, now wait a minute. This kissy kiss that happened, where does that take place? In the boxing ring. Okay, that's at the gym. Yeah. Which, Where is it in the gym? That's at Grace and Frankie's house. Grace and Frankie's house. Yes. Okay. The there's, McMansion. There's a there's a gym in the back. Yes. Okay. That's completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Now, where did uh, Joyce get dressed? Um, there. Oh, in the in the boxing ring. A lot of people are getting dressed in the boxing practice boxing ring there. Okay. At the and, McMansion. And where is the event? The statue. Yeah. No. No. The statue. And the, the statue's like in town, in village. And, and where's the bare knuckle fight? That's at Gerald's. And where is the boxing thing again? At Gerald's. No. No, where's the... The gym is, the, at, is at Frank's. Why are they getting dressed there? I don't know. Because they can't get dressed in the grass <laughs> at the field. They have Because they're going to walk from there to the statue to Gerald's. It is subtly implied that those three places are all exactly the same. Or that they're super close. Yeah. Like Gerald, Gerald's uh, mansion, his, his manor is right next door to Frankie's McMansion. Well, Barnaby is so enamored by Gerald that he forgets there's a crime. <laughs> they just sit around talking for a whole scene. Why do they let Frank just go home and go to bed? He was there in Giles's office. The, all those people with the would body. Be in he should the be cop shop. In the cop shop. No, nope, they just let him go. Phil home, go Daniels to bed. would be in the cop shop. Teddy. Teddy. I, I was like, oh, where's Frank? Oh, he's he's sleeping. He's got jet lag. Wait a minute. Did he kill him or what? Yeah. You can't just let him go home. There's a sign for Pendleton's Steam Circus at this event. I know one thing about that. What? It doesn't show up. No. There's no steam circus at the boxing event. At the boxing event, we have one tent, which is the last round. They have like a little stall there. Mm-hmm. And then there's coconut. The coconut shy. The coconut shy. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. coconuts. You just can't say coconuts and not sing that song. There you go. And none of these cool things. So on the sign are the following swings. There's no swings. 
Up and downs? There's no up and downs. Galleries, carousel, electric theater, the Ark. Oh, what's that? I don't know, but it's not there. No. Tractor engines and various other miniature amusements. You know what is there? What? A very pouty Sebastian who stomps off and leaves, and then a super angry Kentui (laughs) comes out of that tent like a madman. Like, he's not even going to wait for the fight to start. He just wants to rip John Kinsella apart. Well, no, it's Seb that comes out of the tent. No, Seb leaves in his Land Rover to go off a cliff. Oh, it's supposed Ken to Tui be. And takes his place. It's supposed to be Seb, but it's Ken Tui. Yes. Okay. Ken Tui, Cro-Mag, angry. <laughs> he wants to eat. <laughs> he wants to eat John Kinsella's face. It takes half of the Victorian England to pin him down and stop him. Gerald gives a good speech before the fight. Oh, yeah. It's not bad. So tell this this event actually happened, right? Yes. So this this whole boxing event is a recreation of the last of the first world heavyweight championship, sort of. But it was illegal. It was in 1860. So it would be Queensbury rules. Which are... Special boxing rules that say things like don't bite each other and wrestle. Yeah. Every time I hear Queensberry rules referenced in a book, it's because somebody says, let's follow them. And the other person goes, sure. And then doesn't. And that's how they win the fight. That's how it works. Let me tell you about Sayers versus Heenan. Okay. So this is bare knuckle. Yes. So bare knuckle. All they wore was little white trousers folded up to their knees and some slippers. Yep. And a scarf around their waist. Yep. Heenan was from the U.S. Yes. And Sayers was English. There was a big difference between them in terms of height and size. They would be dif- they would be classed different weight classes in boxing. Which there is between Seb and between Kentui and uh, Kinsella. John. Yeah. yeah. So Heenan was 6'2", 195. Okay. And was 25 years old. Okay. Sayers was 5'8". Oof. 145 Ooh. and 34 years oh old. Oh my gosh. He was five years older and five inches shorter. And this is 1860. And so 50 pounds lighter. They're literally thinking the Americans are going insane because of civil war at this point in time. Yeah. And they've sent this six foot two brute. Yeah. To fight Sayers. Yeah. Now, to give you an idea of the difference between these two guys in modern day folks, like if you were going to imagine what the difference would be between them. Okay. Hugh Jackman is 6'2", 200 pounds. Okay. And Mark Wahlberg is 5'8", 150 pounds when he's lean. Okay. Tom Hardy is 5'9", 160, 150. Okay. So this is Hugh Jackman versus Tom Hardy. Now... A lot of people think Hugh Jackman's shorter than he is. No, he's he's, he's rather tall. He's six two. Yeah. Sean Connery. Yeah. Six two. Yeah. Versus little Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Or Kanye West. He's five eight two. Little Marky Wahlberg. <laughs> Kanye West is also five eight. Yes. If you want to imagine that. I was surprised Tom Hardy was so short. Short little guy, big head. Oh, he's they, such a heartthrob though. Make I'm it, sorry. Make but it he big is. in in Hollywood. He had to wear uh, three-inch lift shoes when he played Bane in Batman. Yes. To make him look big. So, so... The okay. fight Go was, ahead, go ahead. The fight was a draw. Oh. They boxed for over two hours. The longest fight's 112 rounds, and it went 12 and a half hours. 
also a draw. Oh my gosh, that's insane. They stopped. The both fighters didn't come out for the last round. Well, they the were reason like, why this is a draw is the police finally just stopped it. Now, yeah. they ran special trains from London out to this fight. Like, everybody mm-hmm. knew it was happening, but nobody yeah. knew it was happening, you know, because yeah. it was illegal, so it was on the down low, but everybody knew about it. Yeah. They let them box for over two hours, and then they shut it down. So all the people who placed bets, nothing. Nothing. The worst thing about this is that afterwards, there was 400 pounds for the fighter's to share. They just split it in half. Each of them made 200 pounds, which, which is, is not a lot of money, which is not a small amount at the time. Sayers dodged the police, got to a bar, his favorite bar and drank champagne. Yeah. He never fought again. And he was dead at 39. Wow. So five years later, he's dead. Heenan, after the fight, spent 48 hours locked in a hotel room and died in poverty in Wyoming at 38. Wow. This was the highlight of their lives for both of them. Yeah. Now, 30,000 people attended Sayers' funeral. He's buried at Highgate. Wow. So even though there was, because he was already a big deal, right? So even though there was no winner, his reputation was never bigger than it was that day. And it was never that big again. Wow. That's tragic. It's tragic. They both basically died of alcoholism and side effects of being pummeled. Well, let me tell you about that. You ever wonder why when you see boxers in old timey pictures, they all look like this? With one fist kind of next to their chest and the other one kind of out in front of them, both arms bent at kind of a 45 degree angle. And both like palms up. Yes. Palms up. Do you right. know why that is? No. Because that was the style of fighting then. Because they didn't really punch all that hard, especially in the head. Because if you punch somebody in the head really hard, you'd break your hand. So everything was kind of an undercut to the body. It was a lot of body blows. Like a, like a kidney so jab. You, you wanted to protect your body. Mm-hmm. So it was it was quick little jabs like that. You just extend your elbow, yeah. punch, and pull it right back to your body yeah. again. And in fact, there is a theory that boxing is more dangerous because of gloves. Yeah. Because you can hit somebody full on as hard as you can. That's why there are more head injuries in football than there are in rugby. Yeah. Right? Because they wear helmets, so they think they're safe. So this sort of boxing stance was popular because that's... That's the way they box. That's the way they box. That's not how Ken Tui boxes. No. Oh, and the other part of boxing at that point in time was it was half boxing, half wrestling. Yeah. So the thing, what Ken Tui and John do is kind of what happens. Yeah. There was a lot of kind of huggling, hugging and kind of um, uh, wrapping your leg around the other guy's leg to get him off balance. Yep. And take him down. Well, the queen is not amused. <laughs> Joyce is like, oh. Thank goodness they found another dead body. Because while this was going on, so I guess Gerald says, fight. And then he just teleports. He's got the teleport. Back on. to Frankie's house, back to the boxing ring. No, because that's not where Frank dies. He dies somewhere else and he's put there. He dies in the house. Dies in the house. So he teleports to Frank's house. And he must be able to teleport Frank too. Because just imagine carrying Frank, who's a big boy, yeah, from the house. Now, let's just say from the house, yeah, into the ring, yeah, get him up into the ring, mm-hmm. get him onto the stool, mm-hmm. get him staring off into space, mm-hmm. get the little pillow on his face mm-hmm. that says "World's Best Grandpa Dad." <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, Gerald has magic powers. If they'd only waited a little bit longer, they would have seen on the bodies this reverse imprint of embroidery on their face that said, world's best grandpa dad, in reverse from from Gerald's pillow of suffocation. Oh, by the way, all this is happening in broad daylight where there's hundreds of people in the village. (laughs) But not at the McMansion. No. Because Ken Tui's the only guy who hangs out in the boxing building, and he's off trying to eat John Kinsella's face. Meanwhile, Sebastian is contemplating driving into a ravine. I'm so upset I'm going to drive into a ravine that somebody apparently has already driven into. There's a car already down there. Maybe that's where he got the idea. (laughs) Maybe. How will I kill myself in a dramatic way? I called it the ditch of crash cars. Somebody's car is down there. Hmm. I could do that. No, I'm just going to drive off. Never mind. Okay. Then Gerald says, Giles was a homosexual. Okay, the kiss between Sebastian and Giles is worse than than the the kiss kiss between Teddy and Grace. Yes. It's worse than seeing your grandpa's kiss. (laughs) I have seen some men kissing that is beautiful, that is a work of art. Giles and Sebastian are not that. That I would go so far to say is erotic. Yeah. And that is is none of those things. Sebastian's like a foot taller than Giles. He's like 30 years younger. And you can hardly see Giles because Sebastian is like big. So little Giles is all like enveloped, you know. And then Iris comes in and sees them and they're like, oh, oh no, Iris Puckerface has seen us. I'll just pay her. But Iris has figured all this out, so she calls Barnaby mm-hmm. and does the worst thing you can do in Midsummer. <laughs> Meet me someplace in the dark, please. No, bad idea. She's not there, so they go to her house and get. How much did Giles pay her? Uh, she's got a flat. She's got part of a house. Okay, still. Right? But it's still nice. You know what I'm, I'm most impressed about Iris's house? In the scene where they're talking to her and they kind of confront her about the blackmail yes. that Sebastian has been paying her. Yes. She has this beautiful big fireplace in her sitting room yes. with this big mirror above it. And we see her in the mirror and we see Tom in the mirror and we don't see the cameraman in the mirror. Yes, they do a very good job. It's there. very carefully done. Yep. You never see a boom mic. No. Nothing. Nothing. Very carefully done. Yeah. But now Iris is dead. Yes. And they let Gerald know that they were supposed to meet her at the statue. Gerald is an idiot. They show up to his house just to tell him, Iris wanted to meet us at the statue. We just thought you'd want to know. I'll teleport over there right now. He doesn't take his pillow with him. No. He doesn't need it anymore. No. Because she has, they have hidden. So, okay. Like Gerald should so, make the little music when he's sneaking around. No, it should go. <laughs> so somehow, though Gerald has looked for it in Giles's office and in Iris's office, Tom and Jones find it instantly this was a flaw for me until i realized no iris gave it to them yes she left it there in the statue no okay okay so this is still a problem for me all right so when they confront her about the blackmail she doesn't tell them anything right no They, they they upset her yep because they think that will make her act right yes so then she does she calls them and she says actually i i need to talk to you and she's going to give them the contract yes right but before they can get to her gerald 
goes to her apartment and kills her and ransacks her place looking for the contract. Yes. And doesn't find it. No. But somehow now Barnaby and Jones have it to make a copy of it and stash one in the statue. How do they do that? Where do they find it? In the grandpa daddy pillow? No, because then Gerald would certainly know they have it. Yeah. Why would he be killing people to get it if he already had it in his grandpa daddy pillow? We'll get to why would he be killing people? So they pretend as if she thought that she already knew it was hidden in the statue and that's why she wanted to meet there. She wanted to meet there because she was freaked out that somebody had been in her apartment. That's right. And she wanted to get out. She wanted to get out. So she's like, let me meet you somewhere in public where I'll feel safe. How do they get that? I don't know. Where do they find it? I don't know. How do they know about it? Luckily, they go back to Gerald's house and he tells them everything. So this whole idea. okay. first of all, the statue's hideous. Okay, I'm just going to say it. The statue's hideous. And if you Google Sayers and Heenan fight, you will see all the illustrations from the time that were the newspapers and the promotional posters. And the statue looks like Heenan. Not like Sayers. Keenan is the guy whose torso is way too big for his body and all the sketches. Okay. And whose arms are out of proportion and whose head looks wonky. Um, Why they have him holding a piece of paper, I still don't understand that. Well, Frank wanted that. Uh, Why? (laughs) I I don't know. (sighs) Okay, so they find the piece of paper. Gerald finds it rolled up. In the guy's hand. Yes. This would be a very bad place to stash a secret document. Yes. Because it would get rained on. It would fall out. It would be destroyed. Yep. That would be stupid, right? So they lead Gerald to believe that that she hid it there. Yes. But they hid it there. Yes. So I went looking for other things hidden in statues. Okay. And I found two doozies. Okay. Lay them on me. A 240-year-old statue of Jesus in St. Aguida, Spain was being refurbished. And two letters were found hidden inside its buttocks. (laughs) Somebody hid two letters Uh, in Jesus's butt. That's never been said on a podcast before. second one is even weirder <laughs> weirder than jesus's butt yes okay it's weirder than that okay Lay it on me in 2014 a statue again of jesus was being restored in mexico and they x-rayed it as part of the process of restoring it right normal procedure and discovered that its mouth contained real human teeth oh now are they jesus's teeth no okay okay because they did some dna stuff okay okay i i don't know what that means i don't know if they have (laughs) jesus's dna to compare it against i don't know but that's what the story said so there's two crazy things about this other than just human teeth and a wooden statue of jesus okay one is that it's not really that surprising to find human parts in statues oh because they often find that statues from like the medieval era and before have real nails, have real human teeth, and real hair in them. Like for saints and martyrs? No, 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 and- no, no. These are not like artifacts. These are just, you know what would make that statue better? Real teeth. Let's put real teeth in it. That'll oh, look better. Okay. For example, a statue of the baby Jesus was found to have rabbit teeth as its teeth. Oh, I hope they filed them down or sunk them in or something. Cause you imagine what rabbit teeth would look like in a baby Jesus. <laughs> Those two great big teeth. Oh, oh, baby Jesus. Baby Jesus rabbit teeth is <laughs> not the name of this episode. <laughs> a statue of the devil was discovered to have dog teeth. 
That I can kind of understand. Kind of, yeah. And lots of other statues have real human hair. Okay, so that so it's weird that the statue has human teeth. It's weird that lots of statues apparently had human teeth. Yes. What's weirder about this particular statue in Mexico is that its mouth is closed. You can't see its teeth. Why? Are there human teeth in it? And it's wooden. So it's not like it was sculpted out of clay or something and the teeth were like embedded in there to give form or or, or they changed their mind and sculpted the lips to be different and left the teeth in no 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 i'm like how did they get there figure out how they made the, oh god that's how gross. did they get there i'm gonna have nightmares about statues with real teeth so now. which is wetter <laughs> <laughs> which is worse? I almost said which is better, which is worse. So I said which is wetter. Which is worse? Jesus letter buttocks or or Jesus mysterious human teeth. I don't know. I don't know. Or baby Jesus rabbit teeth. Because that's pretty <laughs> wild. Okay. We have different segments on this show. All of these are more excusable than rolling up a piece of paper and putting it in a boxer's hand, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) So, we have different segments on the show. Mm -hmm. And this, I'm going to do a little new segment here. Okay. It's called called Author's Corner. Okay. Okay. If you're a writer or have dreams of being a writer, mm-hmm. you know, I've taught creative writing. I've taught creative writing classes. Written a couple of books. I've written a couple of books. I can write. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do not, at the very last scene of your book, make the entire book useless and unnecessary. Yeah. Like everything that Everybody happened who dies have are horrible people and they didn't have to die anyway. No. It's I think the writer is trying to make it seem tragic, but it just seems rich white guy kills a bunch of people because he's got a gambling problem. You know why? He calls he calls Giles two timing. Who is he two timing on? His daughter in law girlfriend? No, Giles, the oh, lawyer. Giles. Um Iris, who he doesn't have a relationship with? I guess. No, no. He's two-timing because he's pretending to be loyal to Gerald while actually protecting Frank with the bet. Okay. I I immediately was like, is there a secret hidden gay lover that we don't (laughs) know about? Yeah, Giles is also dating Frank (laughs) Tui. That's why he and Sebastian should get together. Sebastian and Frank Tui should get together. (laughs) Sebastian speaks the truth when he gets mad and he says, this whole place is an inbred scandal hole. Yes. You're like, you're right. It is. Sebastian is like the character in Gross Point Blank, where the John Cusack character in Gross Point Blank tells the truth in the entire movie and no one believes him. He's Cassandra. Right? Yeah. He tells he, the he truth. He knows everything and he says everything and nobody believes him. Nobody believes him. Tom is open to flattery. Am I open to flattery? He says to Joyce, like, what? And Joyce is going, what? What are you even talking about? Is Gerald your boyfriend now? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) Joyce is kind of like, can we get to the end episode? Because. Can I wear the costume again? Because I like that. I want to retire. I looked really cool in that dress. I want to wear that dress again. This is the episode where Joyce, like, Jane Weimark looked like she was like, 
okay, I had three of these left to do. <laughs> I don't know. I think she was a great sport in this no, one. So. She pretends to care about who wins the boxing uh, competition at the beginning. She wears mm. the Queen Victoria dress and unveils the statue. Yep. And gets to be the star of the she show. She gets to be angry for being late. Yep. She gets to be on a committee. And and I'm like, what are they late for? How are they late? Because I'm super there's obsessed. Only, there's only two people I'm, waiting for her. I'm super, and they both live there. I'm super obsessed about, I don't like being late. I'm a very early person. And I'm like, they're not going to be late. And then Joyce says the thing. She goes, there's two people waiting for us. I'm like, oh, well, you're late. <laughs> and I'm wrong. They're not, they don't live there because it's Grace who lives at the McMansion and Camilla who lives with Sebastian in the village. So really, why are they even having the meeting there? Because that's where the fight's going to be. Wait a minute. Gerald's there because he teleports in from everywhere. Grandpa McDaddy is everywhere. Okay. He's everywhere. World's greatest Grandpa McDaddy. <laughs> Do you notice we just introduced a Mick in there? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not racist. That's just, you know, because they have the McMansion. I've now become have- lightheaded. I'm laughing <laughs> so hard. Grandpa McDaddy is there. Oh, I got a mom, mom. I got a part. Yeah. Yeah. When they break up the fight, there's a guy there who is uh, obviously um, differently abled. He runs onto the. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Mom, mom, I got a part. There's a guy in the crowd. I've, I took a screenshot of him in the crowd there who's, you know, when you when you truck in a whole bunch of costumes, there's going to be some that are better than others. Yeah, absolutely. This guy's dressed as a bellboy. <laughs> He's dressed as a bellboy. I don't know why he's dressed as a bellboy. He's in the front row at the fight. I'll show you a picture. On top of that... We'll put it in the show notes. Grace and Frank have a statue in their house that is this, like, four-foot-tall, super skinny guy with balloons. Yeah. I got a screenshot of that. Yeah, that was a weird statue. Super weird. Come to find out, at the end of it all... That John Kinsella tested positive for drugs because Frank drugged him because Frank had bet against him, knew all the time. But wasn't it that Frank had suckered Gerald into betting against John? Yes, but now the whole fight is moot, I guess. But why would he... Why would he fake? I don't know. Yeah, it's just, again, there's so many things wrong with this. It doesn't. But the bottom line is, is the the bet is null and void because yeah. the fight is null and void. So Gerald really wouldn't have lost his house no matter what. So he killed Giles, Frank, and Iris for no reason. No reason at all. And now he's not even going to be Grandpa Daddy. Yeah. Because he's going to be in prison. Best corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Nice corpse. I'm going with Giles. I'm going with Frank. They're why, both. Why do you like Frank better? Now he's sitting up. They both have their eyes open. But why is Frank better? The the thousand mile stare on Frank. Frank is leaned back with his gut out, and he is. There's no movement. None. Uh, I like Giles because he's sitting there in his suit at his desk, and his head's just slumped forward. Yep. That's it. Yep. No, I I like Frank better. Neither of us think Iris is the best corpse. Well, no. She's got the embroidery marks all over her face. (laughs) You can clearly see Grandpa Daddy in reverse on her face. Grandpa Daddy. (laughs) After the credits. Okay. Gerald goes to jail. Mm -hmm. I think Seb and Camilla move to the big house, get a divorce, and Seb and 
can Tui have a relationship? And Camilla is happy with the baby. I don't want Ken Tui in my house if I'm if I'm Camilla. Well, uh, maybe Ken Tui and Sebastian can live at the house in town. Maybe they'll be happy. This is another house. Yet another house. No servants. No, it's gigantic. Gerald's house. Enormous. Yeah. So Camilla and Sebastian move into the big house, run it as a business. Yep. And Sebastian gets to play uncle to the baby and is happy. Uh, I think so. And I think Camilla would be like, go have as many affairs. Go do whatever you want. You're all good. Even if you want to have a boyfriend, move in. We got lots of room. Yep. He can maybe cook us a few meals. Yep. I think Teddy and Grace are happy together in their McMansion. I think, and they take over boxing contracts for John. Yep, and they're happy. Libby goes to um, the United States. Yep. That's where she was going to go anyway. That's where she was going to go. And... I think Ronnie loses more money to Jones. (laughs) And that's it. That's the noble art. I don't even have any bad movies for you this week. Oh. Because the only bad movie there is in these in the history of these people is one that Phil Daniels, who plays Teddy Malloy in this episode, okay. was in. Phil Daniels, 1972. He's in Quadrophenia. He's 68. I now think. he's 68? I think so. Let me see. 62. He's 62. He was also in that uh, Vampire of the Green Bays or yes, whatever. Yes, he's one of the leads in that. The musical about yeah. the pool players with yes. the vampires. Yes. Yes, he's in that. But we've already done that one. We've already so talked about that. That's it. That's all the bad movies I had. He he does a great job in Quadrophenia, of course, which you should see. He also does a great job in Marple. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. Oi. Send us your best Barnaby bits. Remember to record them. Send them. We're getting audio, but we need more and more and more and more. Send us stuff about Joyce. Yes. What are your favorite Joyce moments? Joyce moments as well. Some people have sent some Joyce moments. She deserves lots of credit. Yep. Because she murdered so many people and got away with it. (laughs) Many people. Uh, You can find us on Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. So that's Midsummer Maniacs at Midsummer Maniacs on Instagram, at Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter. And our email is MidsummerManiacs at gmail.com. And we post on the Midsummer Murders subreddit. And the Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn. Also, if you're watching on uh, the YouTubes, like, subscribe, and hit that bell, baby. Next time, we have Not In My Backyard. NIMBY. Which is our second-to-last Tom and Joyce Barnaby episode. Episode 80, which is just amazing that we're at 80 episodes. I know. I thought we were amazing when we got to 10 episodes. It's so much fun. It is. This is a prime example We were worried that we weren't going to have enough material for this episode, and I was laughing so hard I saw stars. I've just got one thing to say. What? Bidman! Bidman! Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. wasting this. Yeah, this, this this is good stuff yeah this gives me hope for the episode yeah. i'm recording so all of that is gone grandpa daddy will not go to waste